February is a big month for Metal Blade Records, with releases from two of Metal's brightest acts on the horizon, Cult of Luna and Allegion. Cult of Luna are back with The Long Road North. It's coming out February 11th. The Long Road North stands as an engrossing, cinematic experience that draws inspiration from Sweden's northernmost regions. Watch the video for the first single, Cold Burn, and read more about guest appearances, concepts, and processes behind the album at metalblade.com slash cult of luna. And then make sure on February 25th you are pre-ordering Allegions because they are set to release their new album, Damn em, Latin for Loss. And it's the biggest statement for the band's 10-plus year career. With this album, it was more about knowing what we didn't want, stated vocalist Riley McShane. With death so prevalent in society, as well as within the personal lives of the band, the band has crafted their most personal and creatively ambitious outing yet. Watch the video for the first single, Into Embers, now at metalblade.com slash Make sure you're pre-ordering the new Cult of Luna, the Long Road North, February 11th, and the new Allegion. Guys, damn them. It's coming out February 25th. Go to metalbladerecords.com slash Cult of Luna, metalbladerecords.com slash Allegion. This is the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Petr Spych, Brandon Hahn, and Sylvia Alvarado. Metal Sucks Podcast. What is going on, everybody out there? It is I, your host, Petr Spych. I'm always joined by who? My name is Brandon Hahn, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at YourBuddyGooch. Yes, you can, guys. If you want to follow our other co-hosts, please do. That is Jocelyn Sharp, J-O-Z-A-L-Y-N Sharp, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you want to catch her on that TikTok thing, it's The Wizard of Jaws, J-O-Z. If you guys want to follow our other co-host, Sylvia Alvarado, make sure you do. That is at It's the Sylvia on Twitter and Instagram. You guys want to follow me? I am at our other podcast handle. That is at Rise to Offend on Facebook, Twitter, Rise to Offend official on Instagram. This week, one of the albums I am most excited about this year, without a shadow of a doubt, Shadow of Intense new record, Elegy. I get to talk to Chris Wiseman about it and all that's been going on the last year or so. It's a great chat. Make sure you guys hang in there for the interview. But before we jump into that interview, as always, we like to discuss a little bit the Metal Sucks News. It's a failed education we're giving you. Manipulating facts with opinions. We got you in the palm of our hands. Pushing you to hate is part of the plan. So thanks for the power you gifted us. We're worthy of your mind and all of your trust. Die for our cause, you'll never regret it. It's Metal Sucks News, prepare for your lesson. We'll take good care of your soul. You'll be safe under our control. First story, myself and Mr. Han are going to tackle. Mr. Han, I like that. Mm, Yep, Mr. Han. Last week, we asked ourselves in our little circle... What are we more excited about? The new Avenged Sevenfold record coming out in 2022 or the new Slipknot record coming out in 2022? And that should have been a gimme that was Slipknot, but both me and you were like, man, we're both more excited about the Avenged Sevenfold because we haven't heard shit from them. There's been a lot of mystique behind them. We wonder what they're going to put out, right? Well, this week, another story kind of gave us a hint. 
And the headline reads right here, Avenged Sevenfold Singer says the new album is very influenced by Kanye West. Brandon. Slip what the hell does that even mean? Well, uh, if if it's very influenced by Kanye West, it means it sounds exactly like Kanye West. Like Hail to the King was very influenced by Metallica. No, it doesn't mean that. <laughs> but, right, yeah. I mean, <laughs> hey, their very influence has been borderline robbery sometimes. Let's just be honest, everybody. Event Sevenfold has been known to uh, take it a little too far on the uh, homage. You disagree? Well, I mean, let's go ahead and ask Metallica. I'm pretty sure they have strong opinions about it. They're above my pay grade. We don't talk to Metallica. (laughs) (laughs) Not true. One day, maybe. One day, maybe we can get Kirk on the show. Yeah, maybe if we maybe Robert Trujillo. That really sucks. Yeah. Uh, You never know. You never know. You never know. We keep we keep our reputation strong. We'll be okay. But anyways, um, no, I don't know what it means. Um, it could mean a lot of things. It could mean just his personality. It could be you know a, a change in religion. It could be divorce. I don't know. <laughs> you know, like there's a lot there's a lot to unpack with Kanye West. It could be friends with Marilyn Manson. You know what I'm saying? So right. Um, he explained. I'm going to read what he said. Starting a church with Marilyn Manson. I mean, it's like there's a lot of weird shit going on. Yeah. So this is from M. Shadow's frontman. There are so many influences. We're very influenced by Kanye West. The thing about Kanye is that he is pulling from such great soul music. I didn't grow up with that stuff. My dad listened to Boston and Alice Cooper. I didn't get that taste of black music and old soul. So diving deep into jazz musicians. We're not trying to do a jazz record, but the chord changes and progressions are so eye-opening to us. So, hmm, there you go. So it's not robbery. But somehow Kanye West is very much influenced, probably his newer stuff. I'm just being honest. I haven't listened to a Kanye West record, and I think College Dropout was the last one I listened to. Right. Which was good. Uh, Which was good. You know, I'm not going to say anything bad about it. This has like a very Elvis feel to it, you know? Hmm. No. Like, (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and just hijack this sound for just a second and use it to my own needs i'm not saying like what elvis did was bad and it's not like what avenge sevenfold did was bad but you're talking about metal obviously you're going to get influenced by boston like what kind of metal are you going to get out of soul music it doesn't really add up so especially Kanye West stuff i mean it's like have you ever heard some of his rhymes they're pretty dumb do you know one off the top of your head one was like she got. He's talking about some chick, and she goes, "She got a white friend that no, she got a black friend that looked like Michael Jackson. She got a white friend that looked like Michael Jackson. That is a real he, rhyme. He rhymed Michael Jackson with Michael Jackson. Yes, he did. Wow, like a genius. I, I mean, clearly, you know, subtle right. genius, but he's there. You know. Yeah, who are we to judge? I mean, don't you ever forget who called out George W. Bush ne- ne- uh, about uh, Hurricane Katrina? That was Kanye. It shit got done. Shit got done. Hey, that's what when we Kanye needed. That's what we like needed. Right. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, just a very odd, odd choice. But um, I, I imagine we're going to hear it, and I think personally we're going to be like, all right, I don't, I don't, I don't hear Kanye West. I hear Avenged Sevenfold doing their thing, and um, I've always found them to be a very unique band and good. But yes, I do think that they've, uh, you know, a couple. They've well, taken a, a lot from their influences. That's all. They've taken a lot. A couple of times they've done it. Yeah, a couple. They've made it their own. I, I agree. Kind of hard. You know, it's like Dave Grohl did it with the Foo Fighters when they took uh, what was it, Brian James Dio. 
Oh, yeah, that one dun, song. Dun, 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 dun. I love that song yeah. from Sonic Highways. It was like the first track yes. about Chicago. I watched that documentary too many times. I don't know. Dave Grohl's fun. So anyways, um, moving on to the next story. Are you still more excited about the new Avenged Sevenfold or the new Slipknot now that he said it's going to have jazzy pro- progressions and sound like Kanye West? Go. Well, now I'm more excited about the – I'm really excited about the Avenged because now there's a huge chance for failure and nothing brings me in like the chance of a fuck-up. <laughs> Like, I'm like, this could be really good, or this oh. could be really bad. Or it's going to be St. Anger right there. Right. <laughs> like, like, here's the thing, dude. Look, I'm, this is going to be sound messed up, but I think you're going to know what I'm talking about. Okay, like, remember when Siegfried and Roy and the, uh, the tiger attacked Roy? Like, every animal handler, like, looked like much more of a badass after that happened. So it's like, yeah, Roy paid the price, but all everybody that handled animals was like, all right, sweet. Now I'm going to look even cooler because I'm going out on a limb. You get what I'm saying? It makes it more dangerous. It makes it more entertaining. I got to tell you, your, um, your analogy, I do see what you're saying, but, man, I just it feel like there insane. was a, a – Yeah, it sounds insane, insane but I, I feel like there was an angle that would have been a lot easier <laughs> than the, the animal <laughs> been a lot more marketable you're right i'm not saying i'm not saying should be working for an ad agency (laughs) that's pretty awesome man so anyways i'm still excited about it but you're right dude i think i can guarantee i'm gonna say this way early on avenge sevenfold in their career will have a saint anger they will have one i think they're a band that's gonna go way 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 like left field and be like oh shit we went too far we gotta we gotta Stale it back. Well, I, I think it's going to happen. Everybody's got a sane anger. No, everybody's not true. Everybody's got a sane anger. Not everybody. Eventually. No, no, I mean, I there's, there's worse records by some bands that are really consistent. You're like, it's not as good, but I mean, like a complete misfire? Nah. Not really. I mean, it happens, but not really. I think there's a lot of consistency in, in, in music and in, in bands. Well, what was that one Machine Head record that you catharsis? That was on? that was a misfire. Yes. Yeah, that was. I mean, to me, it was. Just, was that was that, that a Saint Anger misfire? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I think it was for sure. And I mean, people can go back to Supercharger. To me, that was like, eh, I see. What the, they're just going a different route, but like, it wasn't a misfire on the same level as Catharsis. To me, at least, you know. But again, a lot of people I think like that record. You know, a lot of people are like Saint Anger. I don't know. Anyways, moving on to the next story. I think Avenged Sevenfold's got got some. So a bomb in the eventual future. I think Ghost does too, by the way. So, you know, I think Ghost is going to put something out and be like, what the fuck? You know, down the road. <laughs> I just got well, a feeling. So yeah, like, I got I a feeling. You're going to be know. like, dude, this is this is Ghost or Adele? What is this? Like, I think we're going right, to go way right. hard on the, on, the, on the Taylor Swift stuff. Anyways, next story. I don't know if I'm excited about this, but I want to talk about it <clears throat> because it's of my generation. Beavis and Butthead are returning this year. Uh, the first look has been revealed. Um, uh, Paramount Plus will have a new Beavis and Butthead series, and it will be created by Mike Judd. And um, I believe there's going to be some movie as well. In 22 and 22, there's going to be a movie. Do you feel that? Now, I know nostalgia counts a lot, a lot these days. And I know that my target audience is going to jump at a new Beavis and Butthead thing. But I, 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 don't, I feel like as great as they were promoting bands no and doing all this stuff, it's a very dated, dated, dated show, oh, yeah. like big time, right? Like, I don't think you can redo Ren and Stimpy either. Like, there's a lot of shows of that time period. They're like, they tried and they failed, and they tried rebooting Be- Beavis and Butthead, and it failed. I missed that one. Did they try to reboot this before? Yeah, 
They did, yeah, they tried to release uh, some new some new episodes, and just nobody gave a shit. And the same thing with this. Hmm. But I really do believe that with entertainment and with streaming services, and now Paramount and NBC and all these big companies, <clears throat> Peacock. That you know, yeah, exactly. All these big companies that were running TV before and streaming kind of had the upper hand over them. Well, now those big companies are getting the upper hand right back. And I just think that the quality of programming is just going to continue to be bad. It's going to continue to be just rehashed nostalgic garbage because they know someone's going to watch it. Like, it's not like millions of people have to watch a show in order for it to be considered successful these days. It could be hundreds of thousands and you could still get renewed for another season. I actually had this conversation with someone that was saying, hey, you grew up in the 90s. All you had was rehashed garbage. You know, all you had was nostalgia. And then they had all these vital points of like, yeah, remember episode one of Star Wars? That's not for your generation. Like shit like that, you know. But I'm like, eh, Star Wars kind of stood the toughest time. But there was the same amount of reboots and remakes kind of, let's just say, during the late 90s, early 2000s. I disagreed, but obviously there's a lot of points you can put out, like all the classic horror films, like the Texas Chainsaw on Friday the 13th and all that stuff was all rebooted during our time. Um and I think that this has always been a thing, kind of, that people have rebooted or tried things left and right. I think it's a, I think it, it's a lot more now because they're kind of forcing reboots of stuff that's like wasn't a hit, you know, like at all. <laughs> like, well, it's got a cult well, following. Right. Let's go with it. Um, but I think it's well, always been easy money, you know. Hey, try this. People know who this person is. Let's see what's what's going on. I mean, live-action Disney movies, I thought was like, why would the, the cartoons are like, that was like, wow, to me. Like, we're going here now? Like, Right. I remember when they did the live-action, it was considered live-action when they did the Lion King, and it was just CGI lions. There was no real lions in there. Oh, I didn't it see was, that. Yeah. yeah, why did they? It's the, the cartoon, like, blew it away. But if you're going to do, like, live-action, it's got to have, like, live actors in it. You can't just have nothing but CGI. And the reason I'm not so negative about it is that, you know, in essence, like, when they reboot this stuff, let it be, I know they got another screen coming out or whatever. When Candyman came out, and that would turn out good, right? But it does bring people to watch the originals, you know? It does bring them to see... You know, all the stuff that matter, and it gives those originals a new generation and a new life. So I'm, I guess I'm good with that version of it. You know, I mean, they've done two horrible versions of Black Christmas, but I think about all the generations that went and saw the originals, like, that was fucking amazing, you know? Even though the last two, I mean, were just bad, but, <clears throat> or remaking the craft, and then you go visit that, and you're like, wow, that was better than I remembered it, you know? So I don't know. So I'm okay with it, but I know what you're saying. I feel like you're robbing my youth. I, I guess what it is, is it just continues to show me that we have no evolution and that pretty much every story has been done a hundred times before. Everything's just all about having a, a series now. Like how many more sequels can we have? How many more, how many more Harry Potters and Avengers and, you know, just franchises can we create? And that's what's going on. And that's exactly what's happening here with Beavis and Butthead. When I watch that show, dude, the jokes are so dated and what has happened with Beavis and Butthead is we've seen that really, really, really stupid character that those guys portrayed too many times now because ever since then, those characters have been ripped off and recreated and rebranded. So it's like, what kind of life could Beavis and Butthead possibly have if you just add a five o'clock shadow and a balding butthead, you know? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I can run with that. I can do something. I don't think <laughs> 
I don't think it was going to be good. Just like, just like when they tried to rehash it not that long ago, maybe 10, 12 years ago, they tried to rehash it. It wasn't good. Well, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not excited about it, but you know what? If it finds a new generation, I'm good with it. Cause I like the legacy of Beavis and Butthead to our music in our scene. The next story I wanted to touch base on now, a video uh, out there. You guys go to metalsucks.net. It's a teacher's asking students to name one song by the band on their shirt. So pretty much you're looking at kids, I'd say between, I don't know, middle school, sixth to eighth grade. They have a, a heavy metal band on their shirt or a hard rock classic band. And a teacher's asking them, hey, do you know a song by that? Now, certain bands, I feel like you don't really need to know a song. I know it sounds weird. That, what do you mean? You don't need a song by a band shirt that you can wear. Yeah, I think you can pull off a Kiss shirt and just be like, yo, this is retro. I don't think you even got to know the band because Kiss is just this iconic kind of program. Do you feel the same way? You tell me if I'm wrong. I feel the same way about Metallica shirts, bro. I feel the same way about a Kiss shirt, a Metallica shirt, a Nirvana shirt. Dude, the, you, we have to understand that these are 25, 30 years old, man. Rolling Stones shirt, and that's what the shirts the, ki- the kids hey, are wearing. Uh, I'm like, these are Target shirts. Know. You know, they're selling them in, well, like, major chain stores, right? So, Well, we had we had to go buy our shirts over at Spencer's Gifts and uh, uh, Hot Topic. That's where we had to get our band shirts. Now, granted, yeah, just because Target and Walmart decided to jump on that trend and they're making money off, it doesn't mean that we weren't doing the same thing. We had to stop by this uh, hot topic was in every mall in America. Have it's you, not like these were hard to find. Have you ever had a band shirt and not knew a, a song or didn't weren't a fan of the band growing up? I've never. I, if I had a band shirt, I wore it because I liked that band. Yeah, that's that's our generation. I'm the same way. Like, I, yeah, I can't think I of one. One band shirt that I was like, nah, you know, but that's, it's different. Would I wear an Aerosmith shirt when I was in eighth grade? Cause I thought it looked cool. Sixth grade. Yeah. I wouldn't have cared. Well, <laughs> I, wore Aerosmith I wore an Aerosmith shirt because I love the band. No, I, I know. Like, but I'm saying the- if I, if I had to go shop with mom at the target and I, I had to pick out a shirt and I picked out an Aerosmith shirt, it'd be fine. It's just a different time or a Beatles well, shirt, you know, understand. what I really hate about it though is when you wear a band's logo or something on your chest, there's something about yourself. You're letting everyone know about you. That's kind of how I always understood it. And we started seeing this with the Kardashians and shit, wearing like toxic uh, municipal waste shirts or uh, a Slayer jacket or something like that, just for fashion's sake. And it's like, you're kind of robbing any fan of the band that kinship if you think about it when you're when you're wearing a shirt that you have no idea what it represents bro i go to the gym all the time and if some dude's got a metal shirt and i got a metal shirt we point at each other you're, i know what you're saying you're like yeah. oh yeah dude nice pantera whatever you know so uh there is a, a a kinship to that um i'm with you i i don't know if it's like that anymore because Oh, it's not. Yeah, it's not like that. I don't know if it's like that anymore. Um, not it's it's whatever, man. Here's the thing: is this generation and gener- our generation, we grew up with just advertising on our clothes, whether it be a band or like guess hypercolor, whatever. All every shirt we wore, unless it was plain black or plain white, is advertising for something, right? Always, right. you know. Um, and so you go back to the Spencer gift shirt. I just remember them being like misogynistic sexual shirts about like you know, signs that are pretty much having someone bend over on a handicap sign or something dumb like that, right? Still, it's advertising a joke is my point. So it's something to be noticed or seen. And I think that's just been closed for 
the regular world for a long time. And I feel metal shirts fall in line with that at this stage. I don't think they're as as brand as it is. Now, yes, if you're wearing a Rivers of Nile shirt and the dude over there is wearing a Shadow of Intent shirt, yeah, you guys are like, all right, we know. We know each other. You know what I'm saying? Because that's a specific type of band. But all these classic rock Led Zeppelin shirts, eh. I just don't. No, I don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't think I don't that it represents anything that. besides, hey, it looks kind of cool, man. So, but uh, yeah, just different times, man. But I'm cool with it. All these poor kids knew no songs. They didn't know a Metallica song, Kiss song, Nirvana song, Stones. None of them. They didn't know anything. They're just like, oh, I like the this, the band. Well, yeah, it's classic. It's cool. It's that state of affairs, man. What do you think? Uh, let's just say forty years from now. What do you think the Kiss, Stones, Metallica, and Nirvana shirts for the kids will be? You think it'll be like Slipknot, like at Target? <laughs> like seriously, what do you think? Uh, I think they're gonna be like Marilyn Monroe shirts. They still you have. Know, I like thought you were gonna say Marilyn Manson, bro. I was gonna start laughing. <laughs> I was like, Whoa! No, no, no. I'm talking like I'm talking like once you're an icon, then they can just kind of repackage that image and use it any way they want. It seems like. I mean, how many times have we seen pictures of James Dean and Marilyn Monroe covered in tattoos, trying to look like they're part of today's? Uh, society you know it's just it, there's always going to be some kind of rebranding some re-imaging and eventually they just end up becoming folklore i mean that's the one thing we really don't know how rock and roll will be viewed in the future because now it's crazy because the people that were doing rock and roll are telling everybody to do what the government's telling them to do it's like i don't know what, i don't know what to believe anymore I don't know what rock and roll is. I don't know how it's going to be viewed. Rock and roll used to be thumbing your nose at the establishment. And now you have people that say they're thumbing the nose of the establishment, but they're joining right along with the establishment. And it's just insane. I don't understand. I, I don't know what, I don't know what rock and roll is these days. I don't know. I don't even know what the establishment is these days. Do you know what heavy metal is this these days? I know what heavy metal is. These there days. you go. That's all we needed with that. <laughs> <laughs> we still know what metal about the is. Attitude, though. I'm just talking about the attitude. Yeah, rock and rock and roll's evolved. Punk rock has evolved big time. You know, like if you think about it, like punk rock. I'm like, I, oh god. I mean, there is some different, different. You know, uh, Warped yeah. Tour changed yeah. punk rock for me as a kid. I'm like, there's jocks over there. Well, there's punk rockers over there. Now there's a fight in between. Yeah. <laughs> right? Punk so. rock was all about yeah. Punk rock was all about being anti-establishment. Now, if there's any brand of music, that's kind of that's total that's all about the establishment it's punk it's uh, like you know you're not saying anything that's shock anymore uh, oh well ramon shirts classic rock anyways i love it. it with that guys anyways we're done talking about the news it's time for the bread and butter the reason you guys are all here let's jump into my interview with chris wiseman of shadow of intent Everybody, what's going on, Petter? Metal Sucks Podcast. On the phone, I have Chris from Shadow of Intent. We are here to celebrate, man. The new record, Elegy, is coming out January 14th. And also, North American fans, do not, do not sleep on this tour. Starting February 18th, we got Cannibal Corpse, Whitechapel, Revocation, of course, you guys, Shadow of Intent. So let's, let's jump into the first topic at hand, I think, that we have, is that you guys did recently have to cancel the European tour how bummed were you guys and how much effort did you put in to get that set up before having to cancel that tour? So uh, we actually did not uh, cancel. We are postponing. Um, so we we definitely would be a lot of effort would have gone to waste for sure if we did a full cancel. Um, but uh, yeah, it's definitely sucks that we have to push it all back another year. 
at at the earliest, assuming it does happen next year. Um, but yeah, a lot of you know all the shows are going to be very important for us, um, and so we're you know doing whatever we can to make sure the tour goes through at some point. And I apologize for misspeaking. Postponing completely different, obviously. Yes, you guys still have that uh, those dates that you're going to set up, which is which is awesome for the fans. Um, what what have you learned? Because you guys did just finish up a North American tour, and if I'm not mistaken, with Born of Osiris. Um, what, yes. what have you guys learned from getting back on the road in the new normal right now? So everyone kind of runs tours a little different from each other. Um, there's kind of a spectrum of how, um, you know, what precautions are taken and what precautions aren't taken. And the tour we did was probably on the side of maybe a few less precautions, but, um, so it was very, I don't, not in like a negative way, but it was more like, like normal, um, versus another tour I did was like, very restrictive every step of the way you're not really allowed to do anything except play the show um and disappear and if you're around other people you know mask up and so that you know there's a big spectrum of ways to do it um so i guess one one lesson is it is possible to do a tour normally um it's just a question of what the repercussions may be um and it's you know a little riskier to do so that way i think i feel like we all live our life in that spectrum though um that we have to be prepared and willing to go both sides if we have to go the extreme route to make others comfortable or that we all have an understanding um for you as a musician though um the 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 financial repercussions though is really and and the clubs and all that stuff um all that comes into play you know so um is there a happy medium or do you feel like, like most things in life these days, you're either going to go extreme one way or, or extreme another way? How do you, how do you feel when you're, if you're like the headlining band, for example, running the tour? Yeah. So we, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, I like to consider myself a moderate person in most subjects. Um, but basically, you know, how the rules are these days is the headlining band pretty much has the right to kick a band off a tour if they have COVID uh, or ask them not to participate. Um, uh, pretty much out of fear of them getting COVID and having to cancel the tour altogether. So, you know, as a headliner, you kind of get to make the rules. And Born of Osiris, I, th- I think they were, they were very, in like a positive way, they were you know, didn't want to put anyone in that position financially. They didn't want anyone, you know, to, they, you know, they wanted to try to make everything work. They wanted to take all the safety precautions possible, but they weren't um, very, you know, they weren't strict and dictatory about it. Um, but yeah, overall, I, I can definitely respect a headlining band, want to keep themselves safe. Um, and it's unfortunate that, you know, you have to cancel so much, uh, for those reasons. Um, so yeah, if I was headlining, it's, I haven't been put in that situation yet, but it seems like the popular thing to do is if someone on the tour has COVID, you get them off the tour, at least until they're 
feeling better. Um, but you know, regular testing is a good way to kind of monitor that. Um, but yeah, it's really, it seems, yeah, a lot of, gray, a lot of gray area for sure. And that's the thing is that we're all in it together. So trusting one another to do the right thing, I think is, is what we have to learn to do. Micromanaging obviously makes yes. people, um, very, it, it makes certain personalities and certain people feel, you know, uncomfortable and that's something in any work environment that's difficult so i'm not i'm not jealous to have to monitor that you know like it seems like a very tough task but i do i've always uh, believed in in um the team effort and everybody doing everything together the right way and um that's the best environment to get things done and helpful that's always been me however that may work um yeah and so going, going with that, though, everybody, I want to remind you guys, the main reason we're here to talk about, I'm just, I'm just curious about the touring because, man, it's, I felt like we were in the clear almost. And then obviously yeah. this happened and, and or this, the, the new variant happened. And I'm like, oh, we're kind of like, I wonder if tours won't happen during the winter months, uh, the next couple of years because of this potential. But again, this is, uh, this is more guessing. And I have no idea what I'm talking about, you know, just because of the weather, you know. Yeah, I think uh, just from, you know, it seems like new variants are going to be popping up until the vaccine eradicates the virus, but mm -hmm. the vaccine can't eradicate the virus until people get the vaccine. And right now, half of everybody does has no interest whatsoever in getting the vaccine. So uh, it's, you know, there's a couple of ways this could go down. A, no one gets the vaccine and it keeps mutating. And we live with it. B keeps mutating. Aaron gets the virus, and we just shut down everything forever. Or C, maybe people change their mind one day. And I, yeah, you, you, that's that's you nailed it. We got the A, B, or C, and and uh, it seems like, and that's what I mean by the team effort. It seems like we're all taking our individual stances, which is I'm usually very pro. Um, you know, individuality. And, and I think that that's a very yeah. good way to live. I'm very, very pro. I don't want the death of the individual group. Think all that stuff. I'm not a fan of it. Um, but I, I do have to always also remember like, you know, why are people skeptical? You know, do I understand yeah. where they're coming from? Things like that, you know, and it sucks that I do. Cause I am just so people know I am vaccinated. I'm you know, I just, uh, hey, no problem. I'll get out of the way. I want everything to continue. Wear the mask when I go out. I do whatever. Um, the, the, I think the best course for the team is. That's just me. But no judgment yeah. on anybody's own way. Right. I don't think it's right to completely treat someone like shit because they don't want to get the vaccine. Because mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of that going around. Like anyone <laughs> yeah. that doesn't have the vaccine or doesn't want to get it, it's like scum of the earth. I don't believe that. But I do hope that, you know, my friends who don't get it, at least as long as research continues pointing in the direction that it is safe and it is going to eradicate new variants from popping up, that maybe they'll consider getting it at some point. That would be exactly on the same yeah. page with you. Yeah. And I think yeah. that'll get us all to the finish line quicker, faster, better, which is what we want, which is the, as normal as we used to be that we can be, yes. you know? Yes. And, um, but uh, and we did segue to the touring thing. It's an important conversation with every band and everything like that. But we are here, so I do want to jump into what we're here to talk about and celebrate yes. your guys' excellent new record, Elegy. Guys, it is coming out one more time for you guys, January fourteenth. So, 
uh, Melancholy worked so well. We loved it. Now, when did you start the process of following that up musically? Um, I pretty much start the next album for the next couple months after I finish the last one just because I have the ability to write and record all the music just at home. Um, so I figure while I'm home, while I'm not on tour, I should use the time to do something. So some, some of that time goes to writing. Um, so yeah, the, uh, I think the first couple songs that I wrote didn't make the record. Um, but yeah, so in answer to your question, pretty, pretty as soon as Melancholy was out and I was home to work on music and this is a i think a really great avenue that you're saying that you can work on music right after you follow up is because when you are a diy type of situation you guys self-release your music um and do all that stuff you don't really have the deadlines um that i think a lot of other artists have that are getting pestered with is that really really beneficial for you as a writer or do you have to put yourself and be like hey i have to get this done april or whatever yeah i used to like back in the beginning of the bands, I was very like, no deadlines, deadlines are the enemy. Um, and over time, I've kind of recognized the importance of deadlines. Um, and it's, it's tough because you don't want to sacrifice the art for that either. Because um, without good music, the business can't exist the business can't grow the business will die (laughs) so uh it is a dichotomy for sure um but yeah i I would definitely say early on having no deadlines was very nice but for whatever reason we still did everything quickly and now that i've kind of tried creating deadlines uh ben and i have just been busier and have had different life things been coming up, so everything's been taking longer anyway. So it almost went in reverse. As the moment I wanted to start releasing faster, it all took twice as long. <laughs> Welcome to growing up. Yeah, it's all of us. Yeah. <laughs> More responsibilities. and uh, But that's the thing. I think the art always grows better. Now, saying when to a song, though, when you give yourself a deadline, and you can tinker with it and change parts or redo vocals, guitar parts, all that stuff. How do you know when to say when to a song? And has there ever been a song where you're like, I said when, but I wish I had a second chance at it? Uh, yeah. So I think you say when, when nobody hates it anymore. If someone hates a part of it or is not still on a part of it, then it's not ready. But once everyone says, oh, I don't hate that, then that's something. Ideally... You get something where you're like, oh, I love every second of this. But, um, I mean, hopefully most of the stuff is like that. Um, but, yeah, I'm sh- like looking back, I'm sure years after everything, I'm going to want to change things. But it's better that it got out there instead of just never came out because I kept changing. Yeah, that's, that's, that's something that I think a lot of artists struggle with is that they have these amazing things on, you know, at home that they work on, and they're like, this is perfect, but I can make it better, and they don't know when to walk away and share it with the world. I think that's a struggle for a lot of people. 
Um, and then the world right. changes, right? People make it worse. Yeah. Because as the world changes and music changes, and then that beautiful moment, that timing that you had something special, it might not be as special. It might be dated. That's how fast we move, you know? It's, it's one of those exactly. things that's, that's totally done. And the, DI, uh, the DIY approach, as, as we were talking about, self-releasing records and doing all that stuff, for you personally, what has been the biggest challenge to maintain that as the band has grown, the fan base has grown and all that stuff? What has been the biggest, hardest part for you? Uh, personally to to keep that going and not moving on to like a label setup um i mean my least favorite part of the job is just getting vinyl uh formatted and you know done right um and with uh the supply chain issues of COVID, our vinyl keeps getting pushed back and we're trying to restock old releases and but I figure that's not even that bad because either I find out myself or vinyl vinyls are delayed or a label tells me that all the vinyl are delayed. So it's really not a big deal. So I don't know if I really see it as a challenge. I almost see uh signing to a label as like giving up for us maybe mm. um and not and maybe it'll happen one day i'm not saying giving up but like right now there's not many pros to doing it i i totally understand yeah if you have the work ethic and you can understand the business in a certain avenue i think that it's beneficial for you in every way to do it yourself um i believe what we go back to growing up in time needing people to do other parts that's when uh, i think it might get a little tricky now one thing i do like to talk about is that you have released instrumental versions of um, a couple albums before um the last one in particular are is there any plans to release an instrumental version a uh, version of elegy yeah we'll probably do it for everything we might even finally do an orchestral version just because i feel like the orchestrations on this album are the most complete and uh, detailed of everything. And so I think at this point, uh, not only could the instrumentals stand on their own, but the orchestrations could stand on their own at this point too, um, which is not something I could have said for any previous record. Um, but yeah, I think uh, there's no reason to stop now, right? No, I agree. I agree. I, I think that's fascinating that the orchestrations um, sound the way that you really, really want them. And I am that's very curious to even hear on the versions because that's going to layer it out a little bit. Because, you know, the full mix, the orchestrations usually give it that little cinematic touch. But right. to, to put them by themselves, you just would have a full cinematic kind of sound. That's really cool sounding to me, man. Now, um, the making of Elegy, I did love that you guys did document this one. Uh, part one and two, I believe, are out right now on YouTube, uh, kind of to just show you guys working on this record and introducing, obviously, the new drummer in the band, Bryce. Um, tell us about um, the importance of doing that, and is there a third part that's going to come out maybe before or after this interview? Yeah, the, there should be five or six parts total. Mm. Um, they, they're just still getting edited by our friend Chris Klump. Great. <laughs> Great video guy, but he's also a very busy guy. Um, so, yeah, I feel like we've never done it before, and we've always 
appreciated seeing bands that did do it. And I think we thought about doing it for the last record, but I didn't really get all the ducks in the row. So I, with all the extra time in the pandemic, I had a lot more time to organize things. And yeah, we got everything filmed. Um, and yeah, I just think it's good to finally give a little, uh, show a more personal side of the band because we've uh, been pretty faceless for a long time. And that mystique, though, that you've mentioned that you kind of had previously before these making of things, uh, do you think that that's, that is important for a lot of bands uh, as they get as they grow to show a little bit more of themselves? Or do you think the mystique is kind of a pro in a lot of ways for you know promoting yourself? It's definitely a tough question because I do think the mystique has some value especially uh, in the way that like you shouldn't go around arguing with people making negative comments because then it looks like that is how this person spends their day as they start arguments with 10 year olds on the internet. Uh, I feel like that really destroys the mystique um, to do stuff like that. Um, But yeah, I feel like, um, it does have some value to Mystique and I also think having some kind of connection with fans also has a value so another dichotomy there um, I would probably be slightly more pro Mystique but I feel like like a little album documentary is a pretty reasonable thing to do Abs- without destroying that Absolutely. No, I'm with you, man. There's always that middle ground that you're trying to find that's the not too far and, and, and doesn't affect anything. Now, one, uh, and it wasn't, I don't think it was on the documentary episodes that I saw, but you guys got some great guests on this record. You got Chuck Billy, obviously, of Testament, Phil from White Chapel. Uh, tell me the story on, on how they got involved in these tracks um, and kind of when you knew you wanted a guest vocalist on these songs. Yeah. So we knew pretty early on that having we've kind of had a couple cool features every album and uh phil kind of you know had toured with us before and has always spoke about us in interviews and always you know him and ben have a great relationship um and i'm a big white chapel fan myself so i figured extending the invitation to him would be really good and so on the fans would like a lot as well. Um, and Chuck Billy, uh, I always knew was like a little bit of a reach maybe because he's, uh, 30 years older than us. Um, and you know, a staple in the metal industry as a whole, but, uh, luckily my girlfriend's uncle, John Zazula, um, had Testament on his label for many years and put out a lot of Testament records. So he was willing to do an introduction with us and it seemed like he liked the band. So, uh, he was down to do a song as well. Dude. Nice. That would be intimidating for me. Chuck Billy, uh, Phil's yeah. just down to earth and cool. And I don't know. I just feel like he, he'd be easily approach. Uh, I, I'm lucky enough to interview both of them uh, a few times. And, uh, yeah, I was intimidated first time I had to interview Chuck Billy. I'm like, oh, dude, I'm scared. <laughs> like, I don't know why. Yeah. I think it's because they're just a different generation, and you don't want to come off as, like, a punk. I don't know, dude. That's in my oh, head. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, because I, I, I uh, got on the 
phone with Shark Billy before he did his thing, and it mm-hmm. was definitely uh, little butterflies in my stomach. It's like, oh man, I hope. Yeah, he doesn't think I'm a punk or stuff like that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So no, but cool, cool as hell. One of my uh, obviously one of my favorite interviews to do. And uh, yeah, and anytime you get to talk to anybody from Testament, man, it's it's uh, to me, I pinch myself still to this day. But uh, I yeah. can say that about a lot of bands, you know. I'm, uh, and I feel really lucky to to still get to promote this music that makes my life so much better in every way, including you guys, man. It's huge to me. Um, and so with that, dude, I do want to talk about a little bit cause I'm a big guy. I'm still a physical copy guy. I'm a huge artwork guy, all that stuff. The artwork on this one, um, if you watch the, the, the making of, you do know that the, the, a lot of the lyrical content and stuff like that is about these horrendous things that are happening in the world and have in the past. And the artwork shows for people that haven't seen, I just seen the image. Obviously I don't have a physical copy yet is, uh, pretty much graves being dug, not in coffins, but just bodies. Um, tell me why you felt that artwork and you guys discussed it um, really represented the music and the theme of this record and how you went about getting that image. Gotcha. Yeah, so Ben the Vogelist is definitely the artwork uh, master. Um, I might like filter his ideas a little bit, but um, definitely all the concepts are from his mind. Um, and I think what he was trying to, you know, sort of convey was everything going on in the album at once. So there, a lot of the things are kind of representative of different songs. Um, but it was definitely, you know, made to look like it was from the, the time period that a lot of the songs were about and just encapsulate all the death and destruction that happens throughout the album. Yeah, I think you guys nail it. And I, it's funny because I just watched that Ken Burns documentary, The War. And I don't know if, if you ever saw it or if Ben watched it, but it's insane. Sounds like something Ben would watch, yeah. Yeah, I'm telling you, man. I haven't gotten through it all. I think I've gotten through like five episodes. There's like seven total. But it's insane that we, are like my generation and people do not understand what being an 18-year-old in like 1940 meant you know like it was just such an eye-opening and and frightful thing to know the world was that kind of place it does really center you on on the difficulties we have in modern times um being something that isn't life uh i don't want to say like not life-threatening i'm not talking about the pandemic but i mean like i'm not going to a place to die with 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 no experience for like a flag and that's something that i don't think i can relate to that was a part of life for a whole generation of people, not once, but many times over. And uh, the record and the imagery kind of brought me to that documentary, which I think is, is the effect that we were going, uh, I think was going for. So that's really cool, man. Now, lyrically though, um, do you do a lot of input on the lyrics or do you fully trust Ben at this point to, to write whatever he's feeling and seeing uh, for your guys' record? I do definitely trust him, um, but there are definitely, uh, and that's, I guess, one of the things that made these next records take a little longer is he'll get stuck at a lot of parts, mm. and I'll kind of have to jump in and offer some input so that the song can get completed. Um, so, like, the main concepts are definitely all him, um, and the at least 80 to 90% of the lyrics are all him. Um but yeah, there are points where I jump in and offer some suggestions so that the song can kind of get wrapped up. 
And that is that is collaboration, my friend. That is what's needed. Um, and that sounds good, man. So one more time, I want to tell everybody, though, Elegy, guys, it's coming out the January 14th. Make sure you guys are pre-ordering it. The vinyls are, are probably on back order, but are they available for pre-order right now? Most bands I've oh, talked yes. to, they're like six months out, but they are available for pre-order, right? Yes, they are. Awesome. So make sure if you guys want that vinyl copy, pre-order that as well. Um, guys, because this record, I'm telling you, it's going to be one of the, it's going to be a already a crowning achievement of 2022, and a lot of bands are going to have to compete to take that crown down the road. You guys really knocked it out of the park, and I got to, got to promote February 18th, the package, Cannibal Corpse, Whitechapel, you guys, of course, and Revocation, dude. It's going to be a fantastic tour. It's going to be amazing. It's going all through North America, so make sure you guys are looking for those those dates and doing the right thing to keep those that tour going. And you guys know what I mean out there. So um, with that, I just want a, a last question for you, my friend. Now, um, when, you're, when you're heading up to a big North American tour like you were going to with Cannibal Corpse, Whitechapel, and all that stuff, what is your, like, you're like, all right, we're going to hit the stage with some real pros, some, some tough bands. What is your mindset to be like, I got to show everybody that we're going to steal this show? What is your mindset um, going into those kind of packages? I haven't even thought about that. I mean, I definitely always keep in mind failure is not an option. We're here to succeed and nail it. Um, so, yeah, I don't feel – I've never felt like I had to like, compete with another band, like keep up with them. Um, I just know we have to do the best that we can with what we can do, you know? So, yeah. I, you know, just feel good about the guys we have. I have a lot of faith in every member of this band to perform at a very high level. So, um, I, I would almost have an arrogant mindset, I guess. It's just like, yeah, everyone is great. So there's nothing to worry about. Um, um, Obviously, it's good to rehearse, do the best we can, but I definitely don't have a mindset of, like, what if we fail or, you know, what if it doesn't go well? What if they don't like us? It's, what's important is that everyone uh, lives up to the standard that they built for themselves. Absolutely. That positive attitude and that energy you're going to bring it on stage with all those bands that we just mentioned. It's going to be a fantastic tour. Make sure you guys are picking up Tickets, February 18th when it starts. And so, like I said, learn the songs. January 14th, new record, Elegy's coming out from Shadow of Intent. With that, I am lucky to get this interview. I'm very happy to finally get to chat with you, Chris. Thank you so much, man, for calling in to the Metal Sucks podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me.
the Metal Sucks Podcast.
All right, guys, and we are back. First song you heard is off the latest record, Elergy. It's coming out January 14th. Make sure you guys are pre-ordering it as we talked about the interview. They got them available for vinyl, everything you need, and make sure you guys are looking at North American dates for the Cannibal Corpse Whitechapel Revocation Shadow of Intent Tour starting February 18th. First song you heard is the track featuring Phil from Whitechapel. That is where millions have come to die. Second song, there's a video out there. Make sure you check it out. From Ruin, We Rise. Elegy's coming out January 14th. That is going to be this Friday, guys. Make sure you're picking it up. Telling you, one of the best records you're going to hear this year, and I'm saying that way early on. So... With that, I want to thank everybody out there for the five-star reviews we get on the Apple iTunes. That is all we ask for as a podcast team, as a program. You guys are the best. Thank you so much for the support. Five-star review. We don't even need words, guys. It's growing. It's great. Thank you. We don't miss a week, as you guys know. I keep saying that, and eventually we're probably going to miss a week. But we haven't for five years. Come on. And also for all the support on our other podcasts, our documentary discussion pop podcast, Rise to Offend. Peter Steele turned 60 years old this week. His birthday was. Go listen to our six-hour episode on Peter Steele. Three-parter. Three, three we did a whole thing, his whole career. If you guys want to check out a podcast, documentary podcast, Rise to Offend is the name of it. We did one on Peter Steele. Happy birthday to him. And with that, I want to thank everybody for everything. You guys are the best. Till next week. The Metal Sucks Podcast is signing off.